Steps on, going for Fitzgerald, touchdown Arizona. David Johnson off to the races. He will score, touchdown Arizona. And it is Patrick Peterson who comes up with the spectacular interception. Welcome to episode 76 of the British Birdland Breakdown. And if you ever wanted a lesson in overhyping and underestimating an opponent, then you've come to the right place. So enjoy our misery, as I am Tom, and I'm joined by Callum to break down the latest Arizona Cardinals defeat, among other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've got some news, um, and we've got a, a pretty horrible game to talk through. But, you know, I, I'm excited to talk through it. I, I did actually predict. I believe I predicted a loss. No, I think we both went for a win this week. Did we go? Well, yeah, yeah. I think maybe we did both go for a win. That'll teach us to have confidence in this team. I think I still think we're on track. The like four and twelve that we predicted at the start of the season. I can still see this team picking out a few wins, despite the fact that the uh, showing on Sunday was probably our most negative yet. Before we get onto the game, we'll look at some news because for once we actually have some news to talk about. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Yep, last night we saw the news that Michael Crabtree had been released. The veteran wide receiver spent about a month in Arizona. He got a couple of million for his troubles, and now he toddles off to some other team, if anyone wants him. So this is a this is an interesting story for me, because I'm not entirely sure why you would release Michael Crabtree at this point, because that's just wasted cap space, and obviously wasted money as well in terms of what we paid him. Um, it seems like an odd choice to make at this point. Well, I mean, he wasn't really doing anything, was he? I think he had like five catches, maybe, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And But that's the thing, though, is I think, you know, with the offense that we've got, having a wide variety of receivers was underpinning it. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to be paying him anyway and you're going to be taking that cap hit, it seems like a, almost a good t- time to me to just have him even sitting on the bench. I suppose he might want to give like Andy Isabella some more time on the field. Seems he's barely done anything so far. Only be the kick returner. That would be a good silver lining, absolutely. I'd hope so, especially for my fantasy teams where I've got him stashed away. Yeah, <laughs> just got him uh, hiding on the bench there. You never know. I mean, something like that. It, it could just be that that chemistry develops later in the year. I've not heard anything about him being picked up anywhere else so far. So, you know, could be the end of his career. Or maybe someone will take a chance on him. No doubt there'll be some news about it just as we finish recording tonight. Yeah, probably, but you know, we don't really care, do we now? <laughs> no, well, he's he's gone now, and and um, it's a bit of a shame because that you know when when he was being brought in, I was quite positive about it, and um, you know, just he really didn't get up to much at all. Well, I mean, we did take two chances to actually sign him, didn't we? He had his first visit, but they couldn't come to an agreement. And then they offered him a bit more money. After he came a second time, yeah. So they must have really wanted him, and they must have seen a space for him in the offense. But then, yeah, we really didn't actually see him out there at all. I think he's a wasted signing, but you know what can you do about that? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame, but you know, I guess you've got to always have some wasted signings. But I'm sure this isn't reflecting too well with the people who want Steve Kime out. Well, I mean, there was something on Twitter last night about him getting wasted. 
I think it was this the thread that had him he'd like taken an Uber, a hundred and fifty dollar Uber to work because he was too hungover to drive or something like that. Yeah. At least he learned that lesson, I suppose. Yeah, still it was getting a little bit embarrassing really. Do you think it may be one of those things where everyone in Arizona has a story about it? Well, a lot of the uh, tweets that I saw underneath were saying, you know, they were from people who knew bartenders who had all these stories about him and all that sort of stuff. And it's something that people kind of make up to some degree as well. It's not really something you'd make up, is it? If they've actually got like video evidence of it. and Absolutely. It's a real shame because especially after last year with his DUI and, and all of that sort of stuff, I would have thought or I would have hoped that that would have been the end of it. But I think he clearly does have a bit of a problem. And that's, that's you know, worrying. It's worrying for both the team and for him personally as well. We shouldn't delve too much more into it. No, well, all I'd say is, you know, I hope he gets it sorted. And, and you know, if not, then I think Michael Bedwell needs to take a look at, you know, who he's got in his in his front house staff. Of course, the Boo Birds were out again in force on Sunday night after the 38-20 loss to the Carolina Panthers, which we will now move on to. Yeah. Now, 38-20 sounds like a big loss, doesn't it? But I'm going to argue that it really wasn't as bad as all of that. I mean, we did have some good stuff in the game, but we just couldn't stop them at all. We really, really couldn't. I mean, tradition again, It's the, um, the tight ends were absolutely all over us. Well, tight end is the only the one really. But that's I mean that's the third week in a row, right? That we've been unable to stop a tight end. Nothing new there, I suppose, with our defenses. We never seem to manage to do that. Well, the thing is, is like I I think in previous years it was maybe even a little bit less noticeable because the tight end meta, for want of a better word, but the you know the overall use of tight ends in the NFL was quite low, unless you were the Pats. But now that Gronk has retired, for some reason, tight end plays are, are really popular again. But not with us, because, you know, we still don't manage to get the ball to them. I know, which is unbelievable. It's because we don't have Ricky Seals-Jones. I suppose, yeah, but, you know, he's not doing much in Cleveland either. No, he hasn't, absolutely. But no, I, th- I think that's um, that's quite worrying, and it, and it worries me because now that there's a bit of film on the defence, is every offence going to come in here and, and play those designed plays and, you know... Because uh, the thing is, is, the tight end plays, for me, that we give up, it never seems to be because the guy's begging physical and he's knocking down, you know, safeties who, who can't really tackle him. It's more because it takes us by surprise. It's like the defense practiced the whole time with the con- no concept of tight ends being part of the game. I think a good recommendation would be to, if anyone has a Seattle tight end in fantasy football, get them started <laughs> next week. They are going to run all over us. And we'll get on to that Seattle game um, later on as well. Yeah, much later on, because we've got a lot more to talk about from this game, including another bad point. Kyle was outplayed by Kyle A. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. No, you you are right, though. I mean, Kyle Allen was definitely the best quarterback on the field um, last Sunday there. And um, yeah, Kyler Murray definitely sort of paled in comparison. But I've got to say, the, the the upsides to Kyler Murray were a lot more obvious than the upsides to Josh Rosen when he was playing, for example. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some good things that Kyler did, but there was also the bad as well. Got to take that with him, I suppose. Well, you know, that's the thing is, uh, you know, you've, you've said later in the document that it's eight sacks that we gave up. And definitely at least some of them were Kyler's fault. And I think to some extent he's got got almost too confident in uh, in his running abilities, being able to get out of space. 
um, and he's hovering around a bit more than he should have. But hopefully this week's been a bit of a wake-up call for him in that regard. Tripping over his own feet as well didn't help matters. No, for sure. Um, but we have seen that before. That was a Carson Palmer special for a little while. Yeah, but he was a bit less athletic than... Absolutely. And, and we, did, we didn't really expect him to run, but we do expect Kyler to run. And speaking of running, I, I do think that that was one of one of the good points about him this game was the fact that he was running really, really well. For the majority of the time, his mobility was a good thing. But then, as we said before, it was a bit bad as well when he was trying to roll out the pocket and ended up tripping up over his own feet, being in a sack and a big loss. Exactly. I mean, you really can't be having that because that's the that kind of loss is a, is a huge difference to the way the drive is going. Especially when pretty much every single play we've got is out of the shotgun as well. So you're already five yards behind the line, aren't you? Well, five yards and then a, a big drop back from there as well, usually. Even bigger if the offensive lineman can't hold the pass rushes back, which is usually the case. Well, that's the thing is the all of the other sacks that came out were due, due to the offensive line. And what, can you remember which one of the offensive line it was that tweeted after the game? Uh, to say that, or, or they came out in their press conference after the game to say, yeah, we needed to protect Kyler better. I think that was Justin Pugh. He's usually the one that speaks to them, yeah. Um, which is absolutely a, a certain moment of like, yeah, yeah, you really should. Hashtag no shit Sherlock. No shit Sherlock, absolutely. I mean, he gets paid enough, you know. It, it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that's their whole job is to protect the quarterback. And this that being said... I would take the 2019 offensive line every single day over any of the offensive lines that we saw last year, any of the the 26 combinations that we saw. I mean, that's hard to say because we still had like DJ Humphreys in that one, didn't we? That's true, but I'm I'm talking about sort of overall performance-wise. Although that was bad, I think it was nowhere near as bad as last year's offensive line play. Yeah, I suppose we have improved a little bit, but nowhere near to the standard you should be in the in the NFL, at least. Absolutely, I mean, and and that's that's an offensive line that you know one of our members tried to sack our own quarterback recently. So you know you, you you've got to take the improvement where you can. Well, there was a clip I saw on Twitter the, a couple of hours ago. It showed the right tackle Jordan Mills basically saying why nobody bothered picking him up after Miami had released him. Then it showed a clip of him like trying to grab at the pass rusher, and he's even, <laughs> he even failed to grab him. So like he can't even hold properly. Yeah, he can't, he can't even commit penalties properly. Oh, jeez. Yep, okay. I mean, it's not the sort of thing you want to see, but, you know, it's funny to laugh at, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Although, of course, a loss doesn't rest entirely at the feet of an offense. Um, I think the biggest turning point was McCaffrey's TD run. Yeah, that was a decent run. And up to that point, I don't think he had done that much damage to us. Not particularly. I mean, up to that point, I would say that generally we were holding the Panthers pretty well. This, for me, was the momentum turning point. This is what gave them the spark, and this is what, what sort of where it started going downhill for us, for me. Yeah, he just basically went straight up the middle and duped one defender and that was it, he was gone. So the real question with that is, is that a problem with the play call or is that a problem with the execution? This is like the eternal question, obviously, in football, but you know, should we have been able to read that defense and read a run? Um and actually why did a why did a run contain not get him? You know, once you've got nobody in the backfield, you really need to be careful with that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it was Deontay Thompson or 
Jalen Thompson, one of the Thompsons, they were the safety, well, the last man, basically, and he fell over trying to tackle him. I think part of that is is the um you know the fact that Christian McCaffrey is a skilled running back as well, you know that you can't you can't really blame it all on the defense as well I guess but at, at some point I think you need to be able to uh, at least get to him even if you can't take him down. I'll agree on that because he's one, definitely one of my favorite non Cardinals in the NFL. Is that because he's on your fantasy team or just because I basically enjoyed watching him in college and you know he's done as well in. The NFL as he did back there. So, well, this is—is is this his third year or his fourth year in in the NFL? I think it's his third year now. Yeah, he was a player I would have loved us to draft. Absolutely, but I mean, the thing is, is we got David Johnson, and, and I think he played. You know, he he had some really good series in this this game. Yeah, it was definitely one of his better performances since his breakout season, at least. Yeah, definitely. I would I would put it, and you know, with a couple of sparks anyway. We have one more on the bad before. He- we can get to the good though, and that's an injury to Andy Lee. Oh man, our player of the year last year. I know he was probably on his way to it again this year. Maybe not. But well, you know, I I thing is, is Andy Lee's been really really solid. Um, you know, both last year when we gave him the award, somewhat ironically, but also non ironically, um, and and so far this season as well, the punting's been you know. Uh, the fact that we've not been talking about the punting is the biggest praise of the punting. He has had some good punts this year, though. We probably should have mentioned them out of out of respect for our MVP. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's not so um, not so good if he's injured. Do we know who's in backup in that position, or are we going to have to pick up somebody off the streets? I'd assume he'd pick someone up because on Sunday they had Saint Gonzalez taking over the punting duties, and he wasn't that good at punting. Should probably just stick to kicking. Yeah, and that's the thing as well is I I wouldn't want to risk Zane Gonzalez given that he's been absolutely perfect on the season so far. He's no Kari Vedvik. Exactly. He can't. He's no no dual threat kicker. Apparently the injury's a hip flexor, but there's no idea on the severity just yet. So probably find out as soon as we finish recording, as per usual. <laughs> exactly. But I mean the thing is, is these these things. Um, you know, it, it might just be a case of like. Oh, we'll we'll you know set him out for the rest of the game just to make sure because it could be severe and it might not turn out to be. So, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, but we move on to some good now. And as we've mentioned before, Kyler Murray's mobility for once he actually used that for good. Yeah. So I, I actually um I watched some of the highlights for this game, which is not something I normally do. Um, but I just wanted to see what the flow of the game felt like overall. And for the whole first half, it felt like our entire offense was on Kyler's legs. You know, he was just running for a first down frequently. He was. He did end up being the leading rusher for us, I think, with like seventy odd yards. I think no touchdowns though. No touchdowns, but I do think his um, I do think his passing was was a little bit off as well, though. Well, he did have those two interceptions, didn't he? But he also had two touchdown passes. Well, see, I, I wonder if the. Um, if the coverage was really, really good, and that's partially why we saw the running as well, so it would have been it would accounted for the the interceptions. It would accounted for the slightly lower than usual accuracy, and it would have accounted for him running more. I mean, some of them were actually designated runs, though, where it was like it was basically the play call was to run Kyler, and it actually worked on a few occasions. That's usually for me. I can see 
well, that for me that tends to be when they run him up the middle whereas the scrambles are him getting to the side but even then you know he still tends to pick up seven or eight yards which is spectacular really there was what one that was pretty impressive was when he was running away from Shaq Thompson and he's a pretty athletic guy yes absolutely absolutely well that's the thing is like you know um Kyler is is not you know slow you know he's not just athletic for a quarterback he is athletic full stop in terms of being able to run and sprint like that so it's excellent that he's able to kind of accelerate and get out of trouble like that it's just it would be better if he could do it without tripping over as well i mean when he was going forward it was fine it was just when he was going backwards that's where the issues came in just keep him going forwards and that'll be fine well, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm I'm reasonably happy, as I said, with Kyler's overall performance. I think, you know, the thing to remember, um, I think well, Miles posted a, a nice sort of um, recap on, on Facebook, on the Facebook group about this. Um, but the thing to remember, you know, is this isn't a, a retool, it's a rebuild. I'm just like seeing the flashes of good. That's, that's what I'm here for just now. Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore with what we said in that post. I think it's pretty much what I've been saying all along as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an exciting time, even if it's going to be a lot of losses in the meantime. Could be even more losses again next year, but, you know, it's a long, long process. You can't just do it overnight. Not everyone's that lucky. Yeah. Especially not us. <laughs> Especially not us. Especially not us. No, um, you know, and, and other sparks to look out for, you know, stuff like um, Chandler Jones uh, had an absolute blinder of a game yeah we had two sacks two forced fumbles and one fumble recovery strangely enough in one of my fantasy leagues he was my highest scoring player yeah he just like had an incredible game on defense and and you know those sacks and stuff those count for big points in idp leagues and actually won the game so you know i can't win at some fantasy football just not bird gang ball stuff but <laughs> well we'll get on to the bird gang ball in a minute because i i might be in a similar boat to you and also another good point from this game was that Larry Fitzgerald's consecutive games with a catch continued. He had five in this game, well on his way to beating your prediction for him. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think he's already beaten my, my prediction for him. Now you're like 40-odd, yeah. He's not there just yet. Well, I, I just think that because of the um, amount of receptions he had uh, last week. You know, I just keep thinking, like, oh yeah, he must have already beaten that. Um, no, as I said before, I mean this is this is one of the things that I look out for in a in like a blowout game or a boring game is just like watching Larry like slowly creep towards um, towards records, and I think he's moving to moving towards second all time receptions. I think he did pick up one on Sunday with touchdowns. I think he might have tied one. He's like now the joint six touchdowns all time i do remember that and i think it's i think he needs another like five or six receptions to um to get to second all-time receptions so that'll be um that'll be coming up presumably next week you'd hope so against seattle indeed yes and before we move on from chandler jones as well even when we've gone on to larry fitzgerald's records and all that we should mention that chandler jones won our player of the game poll this week which makes it three different winners from three weeks so far this season at least that's better than our, our polls from last year, which were constantly Andy Lee. I don't know, that might have been a good thing. You know, who else is fruiting the punter to be player of the game? Just us. <laughs> no, no, I I mean, um, I'm quite happy with that. I think it's, it's good to see that it's being kind of spread around and good to see that there's lots of different guys having good games. Now we just need to make sure that they all have good games together at the same time. 
But then who will actually win player of the game then? Be too hard to call, I think. Well, that's the hope. I mean, if if we have struggle, if we have trouble deciding which of our many many players can win player of the game, then I'll be happy. We will move on to the Bird Gang Bowl now, though, and I don't really want to talk about my performance so far in the Bird Gang Bowl League One. <laughs> Is it not going too well for you? I'm still winless on the season. I'm zero and three. Ooh, ouch! It wasn't good this week either. I was on the wrong end of a fifty-point loss. That's quite severe. How did how does that even happen? Did your opponent just have a massive score, or did you like really, really whiff it? I had a decent score myself, but they had Alvin Kamara, Mike Evans, Evan Ingram in the Bears' defense. So you know, I was kind of screwed, basically. Yeah, Kamara went off as well. I think everyone did. Just my lucky. Eh? Mike Evans did. He had like three touchdowns. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, really, especially considering it's the Bucks, you know. And he hadn't done anything up until that point, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, it was against the Giants, so. I did see someone trying to flog him in the well, the British Bird Gang Dynasty League. Don't think they'll be doing that anymore. Really? No, no, they'll be uh, they'll be holding on to him a bit longer, I think. Anyway, well, that's the thing, though, is like it's difficult. This is one of the things I struggle with in fantasy all the time when you've got a player who has a you know you're thinking of getting rid of and they have a good game how how many you know more bad games do you give them in the hope that they'll give you a really good one at some point sometimes you just cling on to them forever though don't you in this hope that they actually will do it sometime how did your bird gang ball go um well my adventures in in league four is is it four that i'm in might be five i think yep league five so my adventures in the in league five didn't go too well for me um, I'm pretty pleased with how well it went. I, I scored 129.96 points to my opponent's 150.86. So, you know, I think I put in a decent performance, but I was definitely hampered by um, having Calvin Ridley in there, who did absolutely nothing all game. And the same with Cook from uh, Jared Cook from New Orleans, who did nothing all game. Um, if, I'd, if I'd managed to get those guys up to their usual performance, it might have been a different story. But, um, yeah. For now, a little bit disappointed by that. Are you in the NFL Survivor pool that we've got on NFL.com? Uh, I'm not actually, no. So, I mean, we should mention that so far this year, 12 people remain 3 and 0 in that, including me. That's pretty good going. Yeah. So, and that, so the idea of the Survivor pool is that you have to pick one team, one game, right? And you have to pick the winner for that one game. Yeah, basically, you have like. You can pick any team you want, but once you've used them, you can't use them again at all in the season. Okay, so you can't just pick the Pats all season or something like that? No, you can't do that. I've already used the Pats. I used them last week. Yeah, that's a fair one against the Dolphins. Yeah, which is why I picked Dallas again this week. Well, yeah, Dallas beat Miami, obviously. Oh, you could keep playing it that way, right? You could just keep playing whoever's playing Miami. Yeah, but eventually you'll run out, won't you? Because Well, they'll have have double games. And their bye week as well, obviously. Ah, yeah, of course. Well, can I can I brag about my performance in the um, Dynasty League? I'll allow it because then I can brag after about my performance. Well, I, I was just looking at the predicted scores for this week and they were already looking good. And But my actual real score, I scored over 200 points this week. 230 points just about to 183, which I'm really, really happy with. That's a good old-fashioned trouncing. I believe that might be the first 200 points we've had in that league. I think there's been at least I think there's been some people who've just topped 200 before, but that's that I'm quite happy with a with a really really solid 200 and something. Um, at least partially helped by having Russell Wilson, 
Alvin Kamara, Julio Jones, and Sterling Shepard all on the same squad. Yeah, we scored some massive points. I noticed. <laughs> I was quite happy with that. Anyway, so that puts that puts me to two and one, with my one loss being to you, Tom. You'll always have that. <laughs> I'll play you again later in the season. I'll play you again later in the season. We'll see how it goes. I don't know what I'm talking about as well, though, because in week one we had a 218 point score and 204 as well. Yeah, I thought there was. I thought I can remember the 204, so I thought there was at least that. 218. Now that's the benchmark for success. Well, so I, I got 229 this week. Did you? So 229 is a new benchmark. Yes. Yeah. Setting all these records like Jerry Rice. <laughs> absolutely now I just need to make sure no one ever catches up with me I wasn't as lucky as in I didn't trounce my opponent but I did manage to get the win to remain 3-0 and and undefeated yours was quite a close win as well right yeah I went into Monday Night Football with a 10 point lead and he still had Josh Norman to play so I was watching the highlights and hoping Josh Norman did nothing and then he had like an interception and a few tackles so it was like yeah this is going to be close Turned out he scored eight points. Oh, that was, yeah. I ended up winning 166.84 to 164.68. That is so close. So I think if you managed to get 10, then I'd have won by like 0.16, which would be like ridiculous. And so it was predicted for 10, right? No, his projection was like 4.5. Oh, so even outplayed that and just came really, really close, basically. Yeah, a couple more tackles and, you know, I'd have been losing. In two and one like you. Yeah, definitely. Oof. Glad I didn't know. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> no, you you survive on for another week. To, although I would like to point out that if we'd played this week, I would have absolutely trounced you. But you know, that's besides the point. It's the way fantasy football is. Sometimes players play, sometimes they don't. Absolutely. I mean I'm gonna get battered this week. Next week starts to get the um the worrying bye week hell for me as well, so yeah, I mean, I was looking at my team before and I've got no levy on Bell. I've got a few injuries as well creeping up. So, you know, I've got my excuses in early if I lose. <sighs> well, I think my favourite one um, was in a, in a league I've got with my pals. I drafted Antonio Brown on a bit of a gamble and I didn't realise how much of a, of a gamble it really was going to be. So that's been an interesting one. I wonder which idiot drafted him in this league. Oh, wait, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> at least you got one week out of him a whole one TD that's as much as I got out of Julio Jones all last season and now he'll probably never play again but I'll still keep him on my roster because you know, just in case I-, I wonder if he'll get fantasy points in the XFL well he's gone back to college apparently so I don't think he's going to play college football though, I think he's a bit old for that probably a bit and also I'm sure the NCAA would have something to say about it yeah alright, shall we get on to our game preview Yes, that's what we'll move on to to round off this episode. And of course, for the first time this season, we've got a game against the Seattle Seahawks to talk about. Yeah, well, first of two are our biggest divisional rivals, really. Are they, though? Oh, I would definitely argue they are. At least of recent years. I don't know, I think we're more closer to the Niners than them. Yeah, no, not in terms of like um, who we're, who we're going to be placed next to in the table. More just in terms of like, bad blood over the years. I suppose it's been brewing though, hasn't it, since that 58 nothing game that never actually happened? Yeah, no, that never happened, of course. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I think I think at least over the past couple of years, we've generally done reasonably well against uh, against Seattle. 
yeah, I mean, overall, the the Seahawks lead 20 to 19 to 1. And he did the double over us last year. Yeah, they did, they did. Which is, uh, you know, like, not to be... Unex- it's not unexpected given how bad our offense was last year. No, but still, they were still, they were still close games though. Twenty seventeen and twenty seven twenty four. So it's not like they destroyed us. I forgot about the twenty seven twenty four game. Yeah, I forgot all about that. We were we were really really close to to at least tying that one, if not winning it. It'd been like nineteen nineteen and two, which would be a strange record to have all time. Yeah, it it would be a strange record, but. No, it's, I think um, the Seahawks have been interesting in the last couple of years, the, the games that we've played against them. And, um, you know, the, the, even the one the one game there that we, we had was our 6-6 six, six horrendous draw. So I guess my own hope for the game is that it's better than the 6-all draw. Aiming Kai there, obviously. Look, I've, I'll take what I can get at this point. Well, the Seahawks are 2-1 and one this season after losing to a Teddy Bridgewater-led Saints side last week. That's not that impressive. I mean, we're two and one. We just happen to have an O in front of it as well. That's a fair point. But I don't think the NFL standings result in that way, sadly. No, unfortunately not. No, I, I'm I'm not surprised that they're they're two and one. The the loss against the Saints, I would say, was uh slightly unexpected. Well, I mean, especially playing a backup quarterback, but you know, we lost to a backup quarterback, so maybe it's a new trend. That's true, yeah. Maybe we should put in our backup. That being said, um, Russell Wilson put up 43 fantasy points in that game. Yeah, a couple of rushing touchdowns, a couple of passing touchdowns. So, you know, the sort of thing we want to see Kyler doing, especially for fantasy football, because, you know, my po- my team needs him in the bird gang ball. Absolutely. As the, as the Kyler Murray owner, TM. No, I think um, that's actually going to be a really interesting storyline in this game because, you know, thinking back to the draft... Russell Wilson was the quarterback that everyone was uh, comparing Kyler to. Yeah, you can't wait for the post-game like photos with the two of them. It'll be like going back to high school. Yeah, kindergarten even. <laughs> no, I think it'll be. I think it'll be really interesting, and um, you know, sort of seeing them both play at the same time. And the, the thing that I wonder about is with the defense now having practiced against Kyler a whole bunch this offseason, do you think they'll be more prepared for like a Russell Wilson scramble? You'd like to think so, but you know, if he gets out there and he's running against Jordan Hicks, then obviously that's not, that's going to be a total mismatch. Hassan Reddick might keep up with him though. Just about, yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully the idea would be that you would just contain him in the first place and get back and sack him and not let him get out of the pocket, but We've seen him do this twice a year, every year, for a long, long time now. Just basically get him on the floor, you know, then he can't make any throws. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, he, well, I mean, do you think his number one targets will be out to the tight ends, given our, uh, as we talked about earlier, our reputation with tight ends? I mean, he's got Nick Finette and Will Disley there, decent-ish tight ends. I wouldn't say they're anything special, but, you know, our defense will make anyone look special these days. <laughs> exactly, yeah. As you said before, you know, it'd be a good tip to start them if you have them in fantasy. Or pick them up in waivers, you know, this week. Yeah. Sadly, they're not on ours. Someone's already done that, I think. Yeah. Jammy bastards. Of course, one player we'll have to look out for is Jadavion Clowney after his trade from Houston to Seattle. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, he's he's probably one of their highest profile pickups of the offseason. Um, and he is an excellent, excellent pass rusher. 
So we really, really need to watch out for him. And um, particularly, uh, he has the speed to be able to catch Kyler as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see that match up. Just have to keep him away from Kyler somehow. Yeah. Don't know if our offensive line's up to it, though. Well, that's the thing. I think we're going to have to, to put two guys on him, which is really going to open up the other side. But it depends which side you want to open up. The one with the bad left tackle or the one with the bad right tackle. <laughs> well, I guess that's actually up to them and where they decide to put Jadavion. We're pretty much screwed either way, let's face it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's... um, I, I Well, we'll get onto the predictions later, but um, I think this is going to be potentially a tough game to watch. It'll be even tougher, though, because at half-time... Carson Palmer is getting inducted into the Cardinals Ring of Honor. Don't know if that's going to be tough, but you know. Do you think it's actually deserved or not? Well, I, I, the first thing I was going to ask you is do you know if they, like, when they, you know, decide which games they're going to induct them in, do they just choose a home game of a certain week? Or do they, do they sort of go, aha, this will be a game, you know, against the Seahawks where we're going to be being blown out at half time. Therefore, let's do it then. I'm not sure what the method is. Obviously it has to be a home game because what's the point of unveiling someone when it's we're away? When when there's no one in the stadium, yeah. I mean, you could do that if it's a person you don't actually like. But why would they be in the Ring of Honor to begin with? Well, you know, you could be doing it to snub them or something like that. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. As for whether Carson Palmer deserves to be in the Ring of Honor, I, I'm not so sure about that. You know, I think... I think overall he had a uh, you know an excellent career and um, you know obviously played for a long time with the Bengals and then he was at the Raiders and then he came to us and he did uh, lead the Cardinals during a little bit of a golden age but he was also frequently injured during that time you know if you think back to the 2015 season when we had a run at the championship he was injured I think for the last like quarter of that whole season I mean he did put he does own a number of franchise records and also the most franchise wins in a season with 13. He's not without his plaudits, I suppose. No, definitely not. And I think he was, you know, I think he was a good quarterback. It's just interesting that, you know, they would choose to induct him, especially sort of so soon after he's gone. Yeah, that's the weird one, especially when there's like other people maybe like more worthy of it. I, I, maybe there's something going on behind the scenes. Maybe you know he's a way to move away from Arizona or something like that. But um, I'm sure they could fly him in. Bidwell could fly him. Yeah, of course. But but you know it could be the sort of thing where they give him a bit of a send off or whatever. There is one good thing about it though. I'll be able to reuse that Josh Rosen jersey of mine. Just sell a tape at the back, put Palmer on the back instead. <laughs> yeah, because it's now an official designated one. There you go. So yeah, any tips for anyone with a Josh Rosen jersey that's like locked away in storage somewhere or at the bottom of the closet? Yeah, hidden away in shame. Can't believe I actually bought one, but you know, never again. Well, you got you got to take a gamble on these things, you know. Both by Kyle and Murray one before too long, unless they want to jinx him. Yeah, well, well, you got to. I was going to say you got to just like give it a full season and see how he gets on. Oh well, should we get onto some predictions for the game? Yeah, I suppose we'll have to, and. Seems I went first last week. You could go first this week. All right. Well, I, I think it's going to be pretty grim. I think the Seahawks are a put-together team. Um, I think that they've proven that they can score a lot. Um, so I'm going to give them 45 points with us holding them once to a field goal and the rest of the time them just getting right into the end zone. 
Um, and I'm going to give us, uh, ooh, I was going to say 17 there, but I'm actually going to give us 24 um, with one of those being a garbage time touchdown. So 42-24. Yes. I can see what he did there. He just changed the numbers around. <laughs> yeah, I just I wanted to go for a palindrome score. You know, I thought it was going to be better that way. So for my prediction, I'm going to go with a 27-17 win for Seattle. So you're going a lot closer than I am. Any particular reason behind that? Not really. Just think, you know, we always turn up for these sort of games. So I, I think it might be. Um, but but you're, you're, you're right. Historically, we have turned up to play against Seattle. So maybe it won't be as doom and gloom as I'm envisioning it being. I mean, except for that one game, but you know, we never speak of that one. We no that that game never existed, so I don't know what you're talking. You about. just hint back at it, you know, hoping it never actually happened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe one day we'll hint back at it, and it really won't have happened. Sadly, I think it'll always be there in the history books, or at least on football database. Bastards, just need to hack them. <laughs> just get it deleted from the record. Yeah, so the records show it never happened. I think there's other um, records that I'd want to delete before that one anyway. That's fine. Just make a list and, you know, once we've cracked the site, they'll be gone. Yeah, true. You can just delete them all at once. Absolutely. All right. Shall we finish up there then? Yep. So, as always, thanks for listening to the episode. If you've not followed us on Twitter yet, go follow us at British Bird Gang. Go follow us at facebook.com forward slash British Bird Gang and join the group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash British Bird Gang. And of course, for all your t-shirt needs, head to britishbirdgang.tmail.com. And now I've done with all the plugging and the bitching. Thanks for listening to the episode, and we'll see you again next week. Yep, see you again next week. Hopefully the uh, Seattle game isn't too painful. But it probably will be, so enjoy. Or don't enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Laters. Later.